the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's time for your Week 4 Locks. And so I am joined uh, by, as always, just the the crew right here. Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, the 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 week slate, we've been talking about it both uh, on CBS Sports HQ. Please watch CBSSportsHQ.com. Um, you know, everything's sort of pointing towards the SEC on CBS doubleheader. Texas A&M and Auburn at 3.30. That game from College Station followed by Notre Dame-Georgia, one of the biggest games of the season. That game, 8 o'clock CBS. But Barton, man, like the whole slate is loaded with games that like are going to require, I think, multiple day consumption. I got my DVR ready. I'm clearing out my Sunday. I, this is going to be a, a pretty great day for us to be able to take notes and learn a lot about the teams that are going to be uh, guiding us on our locks moving forward with the rest of the season. I'm I'm jumping on a flight to Stamford, Connecticut tomorrow night to be in the HQ studios. Uh, so I'll be uh, I'll be no distractions. I'll be dialed in. So uh, in a way, I'm kind of excited about that. <laughs> so so you uh, you you jumped on jumped on the uh, they did they just inform you about this? Yeah, like two days ago. <laughs> no, not even two days ago. Like yesterday. I said, hey, can you come to Connecticut? said uh can i <laughs> said i guess all right cool so here i go <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have your eyes on everything yeah yeah so i'll i won't uh no excuses not to watch every every last minute um no diapers to change so uh yeah man here we go dial in barton welcomes the last minute <laughs> it's like a grappling hook in an action movie that comes in and you just jump on it and you say later family <laughs> uh no. yeah don't don't uh yeah yeah no, no comment <laughs> tom how are you feeling about the week four slate uh i'm i'm looking forward to it i think that the last couple weeks have been somewhat lackluster as far as matchups go and i think like you were talking about this this week's got a lot of interesting and important games which is to be expected as we're getting to the time of year where conference play starts beginning in full force to review our week three results uh tom is uh let's, let's start with barton barton had the best week and barton is now just pulling away uh, from the crowd, at least here Don't in the you do that, Chip. here Don't in the early portions, like he's an unstoppable <laughs> juggernaut. Yeah. yeah, week three, no stopping him. Thanks. Here goes my one in five week. Five <laughs> one and one on the week. The wins were 
UCF minus seven, never a doubt. Mississippi State, Kansas State over 52. That one took a little bit of squeezing, but they got there. Uh, Iowa State plus three. The that yeah, Iowa State plus three is a winner, even if Iowa State was not. TCU minus two and a half. Oklahoma State minus 13 and a half against Tulsa. Tulsa made it a little frisky, but uh, Oklahoma State pulls away for the cover. Virginia minus seven is a push. And then the only loss of the week is uh, the lock agreement that I was that right there with you. Uh, NC State minus six and a half. Big, big time disappointment with Dave Doran and the Wolfpack in Morganton. Um, all right. So for the next best for the week was me. I took an L on that NC State game, but took a W on the UCF minus seven. That was also a lock agreement with Barton. A win on the under 44 and a half in Iowa State, Iowa. A loss on the over 66 and a half as Dave Clawson jumped out to a big lead and then just kind of the brakes got hit a little bit. So no real, uh, not even flirting with that total at 66 and a half on Friday night. That was a loss. Air Force not only covered the four and a half, but won the game outright in overtime. So uh, that's a win. A loss on the over 64 in Oklahoma State, Tulsa. A win on Pitt plus 17.5 with their seven-point loss. And a win as Louisville takes care of business against Western Kentucky, covering the 10 points in Nashville. Five and three for the week, but last place overall at 12 and 14. Uh, Tom, it started the, the top of his card looks a little sad. Syracuse plus 28. That's an L. NC State, West Virginia, under 45 and a half. West Virginia almost hit the total themselves. That's an L. Illinois minus seven, losing outright to Eastern Michigan. Very disappointing loss. The under in 66 and a half for North Carolina Wake Forest was a winner. That's a lock fight win for Tom. Yay. Arizona State plus 14 and a half. Of course, they get it done outright on the road in East Lansing against Michigan State. Georgia Southern Minnesota, under 47 is a loss. Are you off of Georgia Southern unders? This week I am. We'll see how things go next week. He uh, lock agreement with Tom and Chip. Pittsburgh plus 17 and a half. That was a win. And then Northwestern State plus 51 and a half, making a sweat it out. Whoo. But it's like, Ed, what are you doing? Yeah. That's, your, that's your school over there. It was, uh, that was, that, that was probably one of the sweatier covers of the, uh, one of the sweatier covers of the day. Four and four overall. Fifteen and fifteen. I mean, four and four for the week. Fifteen and fifteen overall. So the what's our group? The group is forty three and forty. All right. Yep. So we're just we're just hovering around five hundred. Thankful to Barton and his incredible start. You know, the the fantastic work that he's been doing. Um, how will we keep pace? How will we yeah. keep pace? Yeah. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I know how this works. <laughs> um, all right. How many, for the purposes of timing, about how many are we looking at for this week? I'm at eight. I'm at seven. I am at, I got, I'm eight that just got chopped down to seven. So potentially there's still some ones no, out there. No, I've been sitting here as you've been going through the, the results of last week. I've, I've come across some new information that has, uh, that has cut one of my picks off the board. Are you going to reveal this in time? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll reveal the. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is Do this is very relevant information. Okay. Do we have a pick from the dentist. 
The dentist has a pick. Yes. All right. Got to get let's, the let's drill ready. Put it on the air this week, fellas. <laughs> no, I'm sorry about that. But it was a good thing because I think the dentist got a little bit out of his comfort zone last week, and um, he's back to his sweet spot, and and that that t- typically means wins. All Heavy right. is the head that wears the crown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all ready to lock it up? Yep. Let's do it. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five star master lock. Lock it up. You want these locks? I'm 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 living and dying every every point every cover. All right, Barton, take us where you want to go. Okay, let's go to uh, one of the big games of the weekend. Um, I'm curious if any of you guys have play on this as well, but I want to go to Wisconsin, Michigan. Um, I think you know the the heading into the season, there was what I felt like was some unrealistic expectations for this Michigan team. Um, through, you know, and look, they've only played two games, so the sample size isn't very big. But through those two games, I think it's been pretty startling how far away they are from those expectations. Did you guys like? Have you do you realize that Michigan is 98th in the nation in yards per play? Yep. I mean, that's that's not like oh little bit of a, uh, a slow start to the season. Like, that's one of the worst offenses in the country. Um, I, I also, and, and while their defense is still very good, I think you can still trust this defense. I was looking at, at football outsiders, and if you just look at sort of all the defensive line metrics, um, you know, they're 67th in line yards. They're 80th in standard down line yards. They're 52nd in opportunity rates, 75th in power success rate, 97th in stuff rate. Like, uh, just a, a lot of numbers that, and granted, look, they did play an Army team that's one of the most efficient you know, run games in the country. But I still think that this, while it is still a good defense, we can't just backfill the guys they lost last year. And when you're playing against a Wisconsin team that is going to be really efficient offensively, going to be really efficient in the run game, and has found some newfound confidence in the pass game, uh, led in part by the return of Quintez Cephas at receiver. You've got your downfield threat. Jack Cohn has been is, – is, and who – Who'd have thought this? I mean, who knew this? We were all talking about Graham Mertz going to be the starting quarterback, and here Jack Cohn comes in, and he has uh, been a major upgrade at the you know, at the quarterback position for them, and they've just found more confidence there. And then there's this little stat that's been floating around the gambling world this week. Jim Harbaugh has been a, a underdog six times in his career at Michigan, and he hasn't won – any of those games. And so I think a three-point favorite here, Wisconsin, at home, the, if, if you're picking Michigan, I think you're just talking to yourself into to, to believing something that ha- we haven't actually seen. So I'm going to go with the team I trust and take Wisconsin laying three. 
I've got a play on the game, but it is not on the side. It is on the total. I have a play on the game that is also not on the side, but on the total. Does it have to, does it rhyme with blunder? Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm locking up the under 45. Yes, sir. Yeah. What, what's our, what's our wins at? 15, 17? Oh, okay. Well, let me, let me get out my meteorology. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, looking at the forecast for Madison, Wisconsin on Saturday morning during the time of when the Badgers will be hosting the Wolverines. We're looking at crosswinds of 16 to 18 miles per hour. That's it's going to be a blustery day in Madison, and that's going to affect passing games and field goals and punts and all sorts of things that usually depress scoring. So I'll also add this. Um, the I'm not ready to buy Jack Cohn. Because the two shutouts that, I mean, the two games that Wisconsin has played very, very lopsided and also like not the best in terms of competition, I would expect, especially with an extra week to prepare, that that Michigan defense is going to, it's not just going to get run over. And I I agree with you, Barton. I think that like in, in expert picks, I'm going with Wisconsin. I would not at all trust Michigan. Michigan has shown us nothing this season to believe that it can go to Madison and even and cover a three, three and a half point spread. So I, I believe you that Wisconsin's probably the right side, but I feel much better that the kind of game that these two teams want to play is going to end up being like 20 to 17. So I want to give a uh, shout outs because we have the best listeners in the podcast universe. That's right. And and they are they're educated and they are insightful. And I got a little tip from from a Wisconsin listener, Ben Jansen. Shout out Ben. And he was saying, you know, one of the reasons that we are as Wisconsin fans are more optimistic about this start than say last year's start is not just what they've done, but sort of the, the confidence they've had in the past game. Like if you look at, say, for example, the, the first two games last year and you look at what Alex Hornibrook did against Western Kentucky, you know, he was 17 of 29 for 257 yards. You know, the, the, the success rate in the past game was 36%. Um, you know, you look at what they did against New Mexico, uh, success rates in the past game, 38%, uh, and then flip it. And you look at what they've done first two weeks, kind of similar opponents, South Florida and central Michigan, uh, and, uh, significantly more downfield passing, more success, pass game success rates. Uh, was 60% against South Florida. And let me pull up the other one. It was 80% pass game success rate against Central Michigan. And look, like I said, with all this, we're still working with a limited sample size. But I think there's, there is a lot of, um, there's still some skepticism about Wisconsin. And that's probably fair. But I, I, again, I just think, if if not for the preseason expectations skewing this, people thinking Wisconsin was just sort of a hey a, a, another contender in the West and Michigan was a national title contender, 
if we're just starting from scratch, I don't think that this line would be three. Take off the logos. Just look at the look at the 2019 vacuum. Uh, there's no chance this line is as low as three. I don't, I don't know if you fellas know this, but I wrote about Wisconsin this week. And on CBSSports.com. Go check CBS it out. CBSSports.com. And they're the two things that I think are why Wisconsin is much more prepared for this than they were last year. One of them is definitely Jack Cohn. I, I broke down the numbers using the Sports Info Solutions. And overall, I did it from, you know, all his passes and then depend, like with air yards further down the field, like five yards, 10 yards, 15 yards. Long story short, Overall, and again, it's a sample size of two games, but Cohen's completion percentage this year is better than Hornybrook's on target percentage the last two years in every single category. Like his completion percentage this year is 76.3%. Last year, Hornybrook's on target, which is not completion. It's just, hey, the pass was close to the receiver, <laughs> was 75.6. When you go downfield, Cohen's completion percentage has been 72.2%. Hornybrook's on target in the same range the last two years was 72.7. So Cohn is definitely more accurate down the field, which makes them a bit more explosive in the passing game, which, you know, makes a team harder to defend if you have to defend vertically as well as horizontally, especially with Jonathan Taylor, because you can't just creep all your safeties up to try to rein him in because now Wisconsin has the ability to go play action and go over the top of you if it chooses to, because Cohn can make those throws. Hornybrook can't. I remember if you think back to the Michigan-Wisconsin game last year, Hornybrook was awful. He was 7 of 20 for 100 yards with one touchdown and two interceptions. But the the other side of this is Wisconsin's defense is back, at least so far. In in 2017, in my chaos rate, they were one of the best teams in the country at 23.7%. Last year, that dropped 7% to 16.7%. So far this year, through two games, which they have yet to allow a point, it's back up to 21.9%. So these are all very good indicators for Wisconsin going forward. I mean, I don't, they're not sitting there saying that they're going to win the Big Ten because of it, but they're much better equipped to compete in these kind of games. And this has been the problem for them really since Brett Bielema left, where they're 30 and 5 against the rest of the Big Ten West since 2013, which is a remarkable number, if, even, even if you include last season. But against like Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State, they're 2-9. and nine. So this... Statement they, game. Yeah. This is, a, this is a chance for Wisconsin to say, you know, okay, last year was an aberration. Mm. Uh, all right, Tom, where do you want to go? Uh, I will go for my next pick. Let's see. Where do I want to go next? Where do, you know, we're going to stick with the unders. It's, 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 we're getting back to our roots. Uh, we are taking Missouri at South Carolina under 62. And if you're listening to this, go get take it. it as quickly as possible because <laughs> yeah. the number is plummeting. It was at 63 and a half when I wrote the six pack on Wednesday, late afternoon, early evening. It is now down to, you know, 62, just a, less than about 12 hours later. So, yeah, it's this is a lot like the Madison Michigan game where I think that this to I thought this total was too high to begin with honestly with these offenses with you know South Carolina having Ryan Holinsky at quarterback who yes, he threw for 320 whatever yards last week against Alabama but he needed 57 pass attempts to get there. It wasn't really a great passing performance as much as it was a volume performance. The Missouri offense has been kind of hit or miss. We saw it struggle against Missouri or against Wyoming. It looked good, you know, coming back home, but even in, with the offensive struggles, Missouri's defense has still been very good this year. I mean, it's they're fourth in the nation in yards per play allowed. But then there's the fact the final coup de gras 
is we're going to have, you know, 13 to 14 mile an hour crosswinds in this game. Maybe some rain, not, you know, some light rain, nothing that's going to get crazy. But it's going to be a windy, blustery game, just like it's going to be with Michigan and Wisconsin. And as we all know, wind is good for unders. Love it. Not locking it up, but I love the mentality. Man, I mean, I, I this one scares me a little bit. Uh, I, what was that? What was the score of that? Was it last year when that game was super rainy? And didn't they didn't they end up scoring a lot of points in that game? Oh yeah, if it's if it's really wet, yeah, that's bad for unders because things get wet and wild. But when it's windy and just slight rain, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, hey, I. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 this that would scare me a little bit because I felt like South Carolina's offense showed a little life last week. Kelly Bryant has been throwing the ball around a lot, um, and these two always get together and seem to have really weird, weird games. So uh, I, I would, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not vouching for it, but hey, I'll, uh, I'll trust you on the underfront, especially when there's when there's weather involved. <laughs> I think that for uh for basically your fear for this is if I'm like diagnosing this right Barton South Carolina just gets into South Carolina will just get itself caught in a 38 to 35 game when you least expect it and that's yeah, sort of I'm, what you're I'm, looking I at right these here two te- I, mean, like I, I think these two teams I could very easily envision them just getting in a bit of a shootout yeah just that's just easy that's just I, that in, in my mind's eye i know what that looks like a lot more than i think a 20 to 14 kind of game but we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll check the we'll keep, keep your eyes on the weather kids remember wind needs to be cross windy right oh yeah i mean it doesn't have to be but it sure helps when it is all right i'm going to take us to one of the friday night games but it's not going to be USC Utah. No, no, no. I'm going to be following my uh, following my Jets, my planes. They came through with the win in Week Three, and I'm going to keep riding Air Force as they are catching. Uh, they are an eight point underdog against Boise State, and this is you know, Barton. You mentioned some of those just sort of stats that get start trickling their way around the circuit, and and at some point, I do think you need to wonder if. Maybe it's being taken too much into consideration, but Boise State as a, I think the the stat really zeroes in on being a double digit home favorite, very, very poor against the spread, but even just sort of course correcting on Boise State with what we've seen from Florida State since uh, that win in Tallahassee, and then also what we've seen from the Broncos since, I think that you look at Hank Bachmeyer going up against uh, you know, a veteran-led Air Force defense, and you think, you know what? I I could see, I could see this game being a little bit low-scoring, being a little bit physical. Boise State probably the better team, but when you're giving me more than a touchdown, and uh, and Air Force is coming off that win against Colorado, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with them. So fading Boise State as a more than touchdown favorite at home on a Friday night, give me the Falcons. So this the Boise State's won the last two in this series, but the previous three games, Air Force won straight up, and those Boise State teams won like nine, ten, and twelve games. So Air Force 
is very capable and, and knows what it feels like to be good, not, not just beat Boise State teams, but be good Boise State teams. So um, I'm, I'm with you, principally speaking, that this, this could be a good, good play. All right, uh, Barton, where do you want to go? Uh, let's get back to some of the some of the hits here. Let's get back to some of the mainstream games, uh, and I'm going to go to College Station, uh, where Texas A&M is hosting Auburn, and they are laying three and a half points. And I like the Aggies here. Um, so couple couple of maps really leaning that I that I like. I like Mike Elko versus Gus Malzahn. I like Kellen Mond versus Bo Nix. Uh, with with Gus Malzahn, I think he is first of all, I mean it's year two with Mike Elko's defense here at, at Texas AM. We've seen them already look good first three weeks. They hold Clemson to 24 points their defensive line i think is much better i think their defensive front is equipped to limit the auburn run game i think that when you look at what they did and holding travis Etienne to 53 yards on 16 carries that bodes well for getting this game going in the direction they want it to be going that bodes well for forcing Bo Nix to be the guy that beats you. And I think that's going to be the game plan. They're going to keep Bo Nix in the pocket, try to make him beat them with his arm. And I I think we've – I look, there's a lot of intangibles I like about Bo Nix, and he is going to be a great quarterback for Auburn. I'm not going to go – I'm not going to call him – I'm not going to make the iconic call that I did with Sam Ellinger. But I think he's going to have <laughs> a lot of really special moments at Auburn, and he's going to be a fan favorite and and – He's going to get free meals for the rest of his life by the time his career is over at Auburn. But I think that there was some real overreactions to that Oregon performance because he wasn't that accurate. His arm talent wasn't overly impressive. Even the game-winning throw was very much a a throw that could have gone sour. Kellen Mond, on the other hand is someone that is, you know, he, he kind of has something to prove now. He laid a clunker against Clemson. He is supposed to be in the next step under Jim Jimbo Fisher. He is, I think, really talented. Last time in a big game at home, you know, we've seen him really show out. And this is for the first road game for a true freshman in Big Nick and Bo, for Bo Nick. So I think... Because of those reasons, I, I just think Texas A&M is, is going to be prepared at, at home to go and win, well, you know, 7-10, 12-point win. I think Texas A&M takes care of business. Lock agreement. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think that Bo Nix is going to be the next Cam Newton like Barton does, but <laughs> I think <laughs> I I agree that Auburn's offense, particularly its passing game, is just bad. It's it has you know I mean I think they've completed like fifty two percent of their passes so far this season, and it's like yes he had the one great drive at the end of that Oregon game, and he made that you know the big throw, but outside of that that the offense the Auburn offense has just looked pretty subpar and ordinary. I mean, even against Tulane, 
they really struggled to move the ball until late in the game when they were finally just able to wear that Tulane defense down with their run game. They're not going to wear Texas A&M's defense down with their run game. They might be able to find success with it, but you go back to how that Texas A&M defense looked on the road against Clemson where they were, you know, very frustrating to an offense that's proving to be, you know, quite explosive. I just think that Auburn going on the road in, in this environment for Knicks, if he has struggled in the games he's struggled in, he's going to struggle quite a bit in this one. I expect at least one turnover, maybe even two. I think Auburn's going to have a difficult time putting points on the board. And even though I, I think Kellen Mond is, is showing signs of plateauing more than you know improving, even if he stays at that same plateau level, I just think that over the course of 60 minutes, Auburn's not keeping up with the Aggies here. I, I agree. I think this is at least a touchdown win, and I would be I would be, expect it more to be double digits than seven. This game, I'm, I'm staying away from this game. I will not unite the clans, uh, and it is not because of my beloved Auburn Tigers. I agree with you. I think Texas A&M probably wins this game, but, I mean, Gus versus Mike Elko, We'll see. In done that in that count one oh Auburn with uh Jarrett Stidham touchdown pass to Seth Williams with a minute eighteen left last year. First time that the road team hadn't won in this game. The road ever since uh Texas A and M came to the SEC, the road team won each one of the matchups, which would favor Auburn, until last year when Auburn beat Texas A and M with that uh touchdown in the final minutes. I think it is very possible that Auburn's defense is able to keep Auburn in the game until the very, very end. And if that's the case, I mean, we've seen where that horseshoe is when it comes to Gus Malzahn. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm staying away because, uh, yeah, you know, ne- you never know when Auburn Jesus is going to come out and three and a half. <laughs> That could be a that could be a dangerous little hook right there. But I wish you both, um, I wish you both luck because I do ultimately agree. Texas A and M is a better team. Texas A and M has an elite rush defense. Their offensive line is fantastic. And love the Maroon Goons. And I I believe that they should win this game. But I'm fearful of uh, of Gus Magic in this position. So I will I will stay away. Uh, all right. I'm going to go. Are we going to let's let's focus in on Athens. Anybody going to make a play here? Nope. No. But I can tell you where I'm leaning. Oh, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Right. Uh, do, you, do you have a play chip? I, I, I was I'm really thinking about just pulling it out and just dropping it on the table. You know, just <laughs> just you know what? Let's do it. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Georgia minus 14. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joe, don't don't overthink this. Georgia is playing really 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 well if you're picking notre dame to cover this spread you are um i I think the only mentality that i would endorse is if you're just basically fade georgia in a big game just like bringing back all of the haunts and spirits of disappointing performances from the mark rick era because i just see uh I, i see a really really big strong super talented football team that is going to run the ball right at a Notre Dame defense that isn't very good at defending the run and a defense that is going to not be intimidated by the limited Ian book. And so they can kind of choose their number. I know 14 is a big number to cover, but it feels like they win by 20. I am also on 
Georgia minus 14. The only reason I'm not locking it up is because if you look at our expert picks on CBSSports.com, we're all on Georgia. And that's always a little scary to me is when we're all super in agreement. But since 2011, Notre Dame has played four games against teams that were ranked in the top five. They are 0-4 straight up in those games and 1-3 against the spread. The one time they covered was in 2014 against that Florida State team that we've talked about in this podcast or Chip talked about was kind of in that you know post-title lull, which is what we kind of were comparing to what we've seen from Clemson so far where they're just kind of going through the motions and winning their games. and that So that was one of those situations. But they got crushed by Stanford in 2011. We know they got crushed by Bama in the 2012 BCS title game. And then last year was against Clemson in the semifinal, and they got crushed. They've lost those three games by an average of 23 points. So Notre Dame has shown in recent years that while it's very good, it's not quite on the level as these top five teams are. So... I, I, I think George is the right side to take here. I, I think that this game and, – and so you could maybe – I guess the comparison, if you want to make one positively for Notre Dame, is um, maybe this is like the Michigan game last year where I think sort of all season they were preparing for that game and they – you know, they pulled it out, and, and all of a sudden you start looking at Notre Dame differently. And, and I think that through the first two weeks, they've, they've looked fine, but they, they've been really preparing for this game. But I, I think the, the reverse is true also. This is, this, is the, I mean, this is the game Georgia has been eyeing. Forget these other little warm-up sessions. This is a night game in Athens. They're bringing in extra seating. They're going to set the all-time record. The place is going to be absolutely on fire i think georgia is is just trying to come in here and and just send a shot across the bow of the college football universe and just be like what's up you know it ain't clemson and alabama we're here too and so i just think like there's a that that place is going to be at a fever pitch and while i think notre dame is a is a good team for a fully focused Georgia team to want to be putting their foot on the gas, want to be stepping on your throat, uh, want to be extending the lead into the fourth quarter, I, I just think I would be terrified to be on Notre Dame right now, even though I'm not, I'm not uh, confident enough to actually play Georgia either. That's, that's where you'll find my confidence, Georgia fans. It's with you, and apparently everybody on CBSSports.com's expert picks, which is terrible. Damn because, SEC homers at CBS. Well, I mean, because then it's what? Uh, Georgia totally dominates the game. They're up 31-10, to 10, and then Ian Book scores uh, a like, garbage-time touchdown with 45 seconds left. That's If this was 13-and-a-half, I would lock it up. I'm glad I get it at 14. Shop around, good folk. Uh, all right, let's go to Barton. All right, uh, let's try to keep it fairly mainstream. Here's another one. All right, let's go with another big matchup this weekend. Uh, you guys, you guys paying much attention to this Oklahoma State Texas game? 
fired up for it, but got no locks because I'm I've talked myself in and out of about every side of this pick. Yeah. Okay. So here's what we're gonna do then. I, I understand why you're fired up for it because it's gonna be a fun game, uh, two explosive offenses, and there's gonna be like let's let's just let's just lean into that. Let's have fun with it. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Let's play the over. Yeah. Over seventy three. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's. We don't have. Yes. We don't have to. We don't have to putz around with the Mississippi State, Kansas states, where they're just running the football, sneaking out and over fifty-two and a half. We're gonna go to this Oklahoma State, Texas game where they're just running up and down the field, full-on basketball game on hand, and there's gonna be points all over the place. And I think. First of all, Oklahoma always plays well against Texas. Texas is missing DeMarvion Overshone and B.J. Foster, two pretty good defensive backs, and, and I think pretty key defensive backs in their defensive scheme. Um, I, my, my love for Tuba Hubbard has been, I think, well-documented by anyone that listens to the pod and listens to me on all the other multimedia platforms. Uh, I think Tylen Wallace is legit. I think Spencer Sanders is legit. I think that this Oklahoma offense can and will score points. And yet, this Oklahoma State defense has played nobody. And they're still giving up points. And so I think Texas is going to be up for the challenge as well. Um, I mean, I just, it's just, I'm having a really, really hard time figuring out what an under looks like in this game. I mean, what is this going to be like a 24-27 game? It's going to take like a lot of turnovers and just, you know, red zone turnover on downs or missed field goals or, or just, I mean, it's going to take, I think, a, like things going wrong for this over not to hit. So saddle up with me. Let's go play an over. Let's go. Uh, I won't be. Someone's got to have a little fun with you and Tom throwing all these unders around every day. (laughs) Props. I'm like that. That game is. uh, All right. So could you see? I could see an Oklahoma State cover. I could see an Oklahoma State win. I could see see an Oklahoma State win too. Yeah. What I don't know if I see, I could see a Texas cover. What the one, you know, we do this a lot where we lay out all the different outcomes. I don't see a Texas blowout win. I yeah, I, I would I would probably agree with that. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. And and I and I actually toyed with playing Oklahoma State here, but that number, like, I, I need that number to be over seven to feel comfortable with that. Because yeah. the way this game is going to go. I mean, we're not doing increments of threes. This, right, this yeah, game ain't decided like that. It's in the 2019 game. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're, this is going to be people are scoring touchdowns here. Right. So, yeah. I, I must warn you, it will be windy. But it's a night temperatures, game. Yeah. Temperatures will also be in the 90s at kickoff. So there you go. Because winds die down when the sun sets. Yeah. The sun powers the wind. Sun powers the wind. It's science. It's heat that provides energy and light and energy and wind needs energy to blow. Duh. Duh. Coming up on the other side, more of our locks for week four next. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. I'm going to go. I'm going to just sort of take a, I, I never, you've got to feel really confident to lay double digits with the team on the road. And I think that it's, it is indicative of my growing confidence and my, un, my belief in the shifting powers in the PAC 12 North. I know where you're going here that I'm willing to lay 10. And even if y'all are going to make me put the hook on it, I'll put a hook on it 10 or 10 and a half with the Oregon ducks on the road in Palo Alto at Stanford. It's 10 at Circa. Shop around. Shop around. So I got Oregon minus 10. I think Oregon's a really, really good football team. I think Oregon might be the best football team in the Pac-12. I had lots of LOLs and laughs in the preseason and week one, trying to just sort of poke fun at, at Mario Cristobal. But as the, the season has settled, there is, there's been enough evidence to me to suggest that it's like, okay, so that... That that week one blunder, yeah, you you blew a big opportunity to generate a whole lot of attention and momentum. But this is this is an Oregon team that I think executing at the line of scrimmage, elite quarterback play, um, you know, good skill position players, and then on the other side of the field, the the Stanford market value I still don't think has settled with where this Stanford team is. Tom gave gave Barton credit for it on Twitter and on the podcast, and I think we've we've continued to say it. You you called that one uh, right on the nose, Barton. This Stanford team ain't it ain't it ain't Stanford, and uh, and I think that right now, even at ten ten and a half, uh, that that still doesn't show the separation between the teams. Our old our old colleague Jerry Hinn and Tom used to always talk about the passing escalators, where one of these programs is going up one of these programs is going down i think that's what we have here and i think oregon can go win this game by 14 17 points so uh, i'll lay it with the ducks i have watched stanford get pushed around in the trenches by usc and ucf yeah the last two weeks and now they're going against the oregon offensive line so yeah 
lock agreement. Yay! Um, I mean, this obviously is the, the Stanford fade is is one of my strongest principles at this early stage in the year. And like you said, Chip, I mean, I don't think there's been a correction for it yet. I mean, not not enough of one at least. And I understand if you're talking about a traditional Stanford team that's coming up now and, hey, they've had a rough start and they're one and two and they're playing an Oregon team that's they've traditionally are, 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 are going to be pretty competitive with. And, oh, man, don't count these Stanford guys out. They're going to overachieve. And um, no, I think you are projecting all of that onto a or, or from what you like, what we consider Stanford to be traditionally, and and again, this Stanford team, I don't think, is like the old Stanford teams that can come in and and just grit one out. And on top of that, I mean, like Tom mentioned, just there's the pure just athletes and and just physics involved here that's going to make it tough for Stanford against that massive and nasty. Oregon offensive line, but also you guys remember what happened last year, Oregon Stanford. I mean, that was a game that Oregon had won. Yeah, and they let and it they go. They just gave it away. Yeah, that's what started the Mario Cristobal uh, doubt in my mind. Was watching that game. It was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. So I mean, you're not telling me that Mario Cristobal is motivated to win this one and i think that i mean first of all i mean i don't want to overreact too much to a 77 to 6 nevada win last week against i think it was montana they just sort of cruised um but let's let's not overlook the fact that they looked like the better team against auburn also i I, you can't convince me if those two teams play 10 times on a neutral field that oregon doesn't win more than auburn does um that's taken nothing away from auburn they figured out a way to win good on you but Oregon looked like a really good football team there, and they've been cruising ever since. So now they got another division opponent here, and I think that they're, I think this is a team that's kind of on a roll. And so, yes, uh, throw all the points at Stanford. I'll, I'll, I'll take Oregon. Let's go. All right, Tom, where do you want to go? Uh, I am going to go with a. Not a home favorite or a road favorite, but a home dog. <laughs> I am heading to lovely downtown Evanston, Illinois, where Northwestern finds itself is a nine and a half point underdog at home to the mighty Michigan State Spartans, who yeah, have, what the hell have scored like three points in the last you know two weeks now. I think uh, it's this is the same principles essentially for why I took Arizona State plus fourteen and a half in East Lansing last week. Uh, how are you, how am I supposed to trust this Michigan State offense to cover a spread this large? Michigan State could win this game. I'm not saying that's because I mean Northwestern this year doesn't strike me as the same kind of Northwestern we've seen in recent years. They're struggling, you know, Clayton Thorson is suddenly looking a lot better in my eyes, but I still just don't see it. This Michigan state offense had a great game against Western Michigan, but every problem that was apparent in it, the last two years came right back against Arizona state last week. 
You can doubt Northwestern's offense, but Northwestern's defense is still a Northwestern defense. And also, this is the fourth year in a row that these teams have met. Northwestern's won the last three meetings. It, it's not been good for the Spartans. Northwestern has a way has figured out how they can beat this Michigan State team, and they figured out a way to defend this Michigan State team. Although I will say the games have been a lot higher scoring than you might expect. So while that that total of thirty eight and a half looks really fun, I would probably stay away from the under in this one. But I still don't think it's going to be super high scoring, and because of that, I'm getting nearly ten points against an offense that can't score. Really hard to pass up Northwestern in the nine and a half points here. I, I agree. I mean, I could very easily jump on this and play it. I just, um, I just kind of want to stay away from this nasty, massive game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get sucked in to whatever this is going to be. So, this but is Big I, Ten I, football at its <laughs> finest. What are you talking about? I, Saturday morning going to be gray. Going to be field goals everywhere. I mean, this game. Is just, I mean, that Michigan State, how does Michigan State do this? What it's as if they choose to live this life of, of, uh, I don't even know how to describe the lifestyle they've chosen from an offensive standpoint. <laughs> but I, I like but becoming I, becoming a priest, you, 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 you swear you'll never score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get right. it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's the right side. Um, I just, I can't, I can't do it. He, what is it? Uh, Mark D'Antonio just loves playing in games without points, right? Yeah. Cause it gives his team a chance to be in it. And he thinks his team at the end will be mentally tougher, better prepared than the other team. But that's the problem. They haven't been better prepared the last few years. They've, when they've been in these tight spots, more often than not, they've come up short. Whereas a few years ago when they were, you know, winning 10, 11, 12 games a year, they were able to come through in those spots. They would, it's, it's not all that different from what Northwestern's plan typically is. It's just stay close, don't make mistakes, make the play at the end of the game when it counts. Michigan State for a few years was able to do that. The last couple of years, they haven't been able to do it. So on that note, I'm going to take us to a Pac-12 South battle to another head coach that we saw really just really prefers to uh, to limit the amount of possessions in a game, you know, just sort of get it down there to the end. I mean, we're playing. We're playing 28 freshmen out there. It's not just a quarterback. Oh, no. It's a young team. That's why Herm likes to get it to the fourth quarter, likes to keep things low scoring, likes to punt, likes to play ball control. He doesn't want to see any of these college scoring that uh, out there no he understands what the game is so i'm gonna take arizona state colorado under 50 and uh and and i'm gonna also you know continuing to track back on colorado uh it ain't like last week there was a whole lot of scoring and against nebraska it mostly came in a flurry right there at the end the offense you know steven montez lavisca chenault they couldn't get they couldn't get going early in the game so I kind of like Mel Tucker and Herm Edwards probably, you know, ran in some NFL circles together. They know what kind of game they want to play. They want to keep this nice and crisp, good execution, you know, 24-17 type final. Best, may the best man win. Let's go under 50, Arizona State. Two things. One, you can get it at 50 and a half. Shop around. Two, lock agreement. Woo! 
I mean, Arizona State unders are they're they're the hot they're the hotness right now. They're they're the thing. We're sticking to it. I don't. I mean, they're Miss Barton's Mississippi State overs or are Arizona State unders? <laughs> oh yeah, Barton. Uh, you got anything? Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a little trip to the well and discuss that. Are you guys done breaking this one down? Or no, you no, 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 no. I, I was, okay. okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Barton doesn't, I don't think. I don't think. <laughs> no. Have you checked the mail, Barton? Whoa, oh, is that from you guys? <laughs> <laughs> I get a, I get a, a, uh, Mississippi, oh, so yes, yeah, so we talked about that, I guess. That makes, now it finally makes sense. And it's been like the mystery of my household this week. That, you know, Haley sends me like this picture, like, who the, what the heck is this? And it's a Mississippi State t-shirt like nothing else no card no return address just a mississippi state t-shirt and i'm like i i don't i have no idea like maybe maybe like someone in the mississippi state staff is they can't they, surely they're not that happy with me for picking their <laughs> giving up points i that that wow okay Thank you for the Mississippi State shirt, guys. It's, I mean, it's Tom paid for it, but <laughs> <laughs> told uh, you you get a principal shirts might show up in your mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! Take a selfie. Right. Take a selfie with it on and send it to Coach Moorhead. Hey, Coach. Yeah. Love it. Good luck this weekend. Root for yeah. you this weekend, Coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't tell you why I have this shirt because. It has to do with your defense. I just believe in your offense so much. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, sorry, Tom. Didn't mean to to hijack that. But what? Uh, you got anything else on Arizona State? Uh, no. Take the under. That's all you need to say. So I, I actually, I, this is not a lock unity, but I do have a play on this game. Okay. Oh. Uh, uh, I've got a, um, and then there's a couple of games this week that is just a little hunchy. You know, I can't I can't spit out a bunch of analytics and a bunch of numbers to tell you why this is the right play. It just feels right, and this is one of them. Colorado plus 8 just feels right. It's that that was an emo, an emotional tough physical hard-fought win on the road at Michigan State. You're coming back and I'm not saying that Arizona State can't win this game, but to be handing out eight to a Colorado team that is is very capable ha- and I, I mean I think defensively is probably where I'm more concerned about Colorado and Arizona State has been very conservative as y'all mentioned offensively uh, pr- sort of protecting that true freshman quarterback I think I mean hey and this this falls in line with what you guys are talking about too. I mean, if this is a low scoring sort of conservative football game, how are you going to start start the game down 8 points if you're Arizona State? And so, I'm going to I'm going to take Colorado plus the points. I mean, yeah, it's it's not play. like unity, but we're all pretty much hoping for the same things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's a good play. I like it. For sure. Endorsed. Uh all right, Barton, do you want to take us to uh Mississippi State? So yeah, all right. So let's let's go back to that little little plot 
uh, in Starkville, uh, where I'm digging some fresh overwater under a beautiful well. Uh, the number this week is 48 for Kentucky, Mississippi State. And that's a fantastic number. You know, the, this is working out perfectly for this these overplays for Mississippi State because they didn't blow that number out of the water last week. There's no red flags, red alarms uh, to keep to 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 get people to start shying away from playing this over. But here's the problem. Here's the reason why I will not be drinking out of that delicious well water is part of the whole crux of this play is these suspensions and it appears just from the our our boots on the ground in Starkville that Lee Autry and Willie Gay are expected to play this week for Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens also expected to be kind of a healthier version of himself. So I actually still lean the over, but I all that to say just to to sort of update on where the that stands. That's the one I pulled off the board right as we were going on. I'm not gonna play a game uh, I'm not going to play an over with a Mississippi State defense that will have two of their best players back from suspension as we expect and Willie Gay and Lee Autry plus I mean Bob Shoes defense is going to keep getting better so worries me a lot more that's a long explanation for a play I'm not going to going to have on the board uh, but be wary of of drinking out of that well this week demand my shirt back <laughs> <laughs> oh that makes me so happy it was, uh, so were you that, were you a little bit worried that it was like a rabid fan and we were about to have like a stalker situation? I it was I, so I do know a few coaches on the Mississippi State staff and like uh, I mean it was just the only thing I could think about was that like one of them like sent me a shirt but it was like what a weird time to send me a shirt like <laughs> middle of week three <laughs> so I mean I never dreamed that like one of you guys sent it or like I couldn't figure out where. It, Truly, I didn't know. I had no idea. I almost thought that, like, so I didn't know. I, there was no theories other than maybe a coach on Mississippi State sent me a shirt. Oh, but it's that one would have been well, such a bizarre <laughs> thing to do <laughs> without even a note of being like, hey, here's some gear, man. Like, uh, go go Bulldogs. It's one of the perks of the gig. You never know. <laughs> Commit yourself to something. <laughs> but it was... And then, and then, uh, though I did notice that there was there was like a tag from fan, like fanatics, and like something clicked in my head. Like, was there? Did I talk to someone recently about like a fanatics gear? <laughs> but it never registered. So I'm I'm glad to because it did not because that was the other thing. It didn't. It wasn't like team issued gear, so it couldn't have come from the Mississippi State building. So, anyways, that's a long, it's a long. Uh, tangent on this Mississippi State shirt, but I'm glad that I'm glad it was this has been solved. My wife will be much more reassured that there's not like some random Mississippi State stalker out there. Um wear it with pride as you uh as as you watch your as wear wear it with pride around the Stanford office. Just confuse everybody. Exactly. Just, just hearing the faint sound of a cowbell outside at night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um I was speaking of T shirts um, I will not be the first to wear a Syracuse shirt underneath my work clothes for a college football game, but I might have to do it to bring the mojo to Dino in the orange because things have, things are moving quickly. Things are moving very quickly. 
and we have found ourselves with Syracuse as less than a touchdown favorite at home against Western Michigan. And this is, if I'm correct, I don't have it pulled up, but isn't Western Michigan the team that Michigan State put like 50 points on? Yep. Yeah, so uh, if Tommy DeVito, Mo Neal, and this Syracuse offense can't get it going at home against Western Michigan, boy, this is uh, this this might be like a, a, a the the coldest shower of a follow up to a ten win season that I can imagine uh, in in recent memory compared to how hot things were at the end of last year. So I'm I am uh, uh I, I was talking with uh Tom yesterday uh and we, what were we calling it with Robbie the Circle the Wagons weekend Circle the Wagons Saturday yeah it's Circle the Wagons Saturday Syracuse under a touchdown come on Dino you got you gotta you gotta get us. You get you got to get things moving in the right direction. So this lock is is all heart, no head. Feel free to jump on it with me, but logic says this Syracuse team should be able to win by more than a touchdown. Syracuse lock minus six. Agreement. Yay! Yeah, I mean it's everything we we talked about it. You, we we've it's if they don't do this, then dude. This is like the ultimate back against the wall. If like Michigan State put up 51 on this defense, if Michigan State could put up 51 and Syracuse can't cover five points against these Broncos at home, then wrap it up because this is this is going to be a three and nine season. Yeah, I was, I was going to say four and eight. This is like they yeah. they are in a lot of trouble if they can't do that. Yeah, no, I mean there's. I'm not going to play Syracuse. I told, I mean, this is another one from the, from the beginning, like from preseason. I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know Syracuse. I still don't know Syracuse. I'm not going to, uh, yeah, you guys have fun. Have fun with that one. That's, that's three lock agreements. So Chip and I are going to be sweating a lot of the same stuff. Uh, I mean, Tom is a, is a very friendly, uh, four out of six picks so far. Lock agreements. Yeah. Uh, wow. Barton, where are you going? All right. I got another another hunchy play here, okay? Um, Tennessee, Florida. All right. Tennessee. This is, pro- frankly, to be totally honest, is one I probably should should just stay away from and, and leave alone. But I can't, I can't resist. This line is calling to me. Tennessee catching 14 points. <clears throat> I want to... I want to reframe this a little bit. All right, let's just—I know we—I know we can't do this, but let's toss out the Georgia State game. Let's pretend it never happens. Tossed. Okay. Thank you. If you toss that game out, all right, BYU—a game that they really outplayed BYU—and and they lost in a little bit of a fluky way at the very end. But either way, let's just call it a very close loss to a BYU team that is now beating USC. Played very competitive against Utah. Um, is is looks like a decent football team. Uh, obviously, then you got the Chattanooga game, which you can't learn much from, but they did what they're supposed to do against Chattanooga. And then conversely, you have this Florida team that is now playing their backup quarterback, who is not a uh, a huge downgrade, but is still the backup quarterback for a reason. They've they've been a little bit banged up on defense. They've not looked good in 
in, in two of their three wins. They've, they've won, so give them credit, but they've not looked impressive. So I, I, now, now, let's, now let's add the Georgia State game back in. And, I mean, where, where was the line before? Where does it shift to? Like, I, I think that this team, if you, know, if you take away Georgia State, this, this, and, and, and if you take away last season, which you can't, but I mean, this Tennessee team, I think, is capable – of keeping this thing close. I don't think Florida is some juggernaut team that's going to blow Tennessee out. And, and, and the other, like my biggest issue with Tennessee is probably their defensive line, even more so than their offensive line. Their offensive line, I think is kind of shown some signs of life. Defensive line has gotten pushed around a little bit. Florida. That's one thing they're not doing is pushing people around on their offensive line. And so this just feels like it's going to be closer than that. Like it wouldn't shock me. If Tennessee won this game, I'm not I'm not picking it, but that would not be a shocking result to me. So I I don't you know, I probably should keep my distance. But it's this there's there's something about this game is calling to me. So give me Tennessee plus 14. <laughs> this this was almost on my card. So I'm a, I agree with you. But you don't want to lock agreement. No, I'm not, I didn't. It didn't make the final cut. But this was when I was going through all the games that I liked yesterday for the six pack, and then for the, this pod, this was one of the last cuts. Because mm. I and that Georgia State game, and again, all of that, all those hypotheticals, is I mean, ultimately the Georgia State game did happen. But I do really believe that that was a game that Tennessee thought they didn't have to really prepare for that they could get through and because the next game they knew they would have to really be focused for. And I think and, – and, and they were better against BYU and better despite probably really taking a hit from a confidence standpoint and just got get kind of shook from losing to Georgia State. So I, you can't take it off of their resume, but I do think you can – at least I do. I'm taking it with a little bit of a grain of salt, and we'll find out if I'm – if if I if that's a mistake this weekend because I, I think Florida is not good enough to be laying fourteen points. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Good luck. I don't want any part of that. That game's <laughs> gonna have five dumb moments minimum, like like ones that'll just make you pull your hair out. And you might end up on the right side of it, but I don't I don't want any part of that acid trip. No, thank you. Isn't that at noon too? I'm not sure what time kick is. I'm sure it's a daytime kick, but yeah, it's an earlier game. It's at where'd you go? I just had you on my screen. Yeah, it's at noon. Yeah, strange, strange, strange game. Strange, sleepy game. Um, all right. I think that this is gonna be my final one. I've got two others that are just sort of hanging out on the uh, on the side. That I think I'm gonna leave there unless I get. Uh, suckered back into the fire, but uh, I don't think that Washington is very good at converting in the red zone. And I don't think that Washington's offense is all that impressive. And I am willing to continue. uh, I'm willing to believe that we continue to see some strong performances from BYU and so with Washington coming into Provo, where you know that this week has just been a lot of buzz and a lot of confidence, I think that it's six and a half. Would have loved it if it's at seven, 
But even at six and a half, if Washington goes into Provo and comes out with the win, I think it's probably by a field goal. And I am willing to entertain the idea. And if you want to get frisky with it, sprinkle a little on the money line. I think BYU can win this game and just keep this thing moving. So give me BYU plus a six and a half at home against Washington. I don't hate it. So can I tell you why? Like I, I've, I went back and forth on this game and I absolutely understand where you're coming from on this. Here's the reason that I'm 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 scared of it and, and hesitant is there's I think I don't think there is a team in the country that has had a slate like this to start the season. Maybe I mean what Stanford maybe, um, but to to play a rivalry game like with, with a, against a team as good as Utah to go on the road in the SEC to play against Tennessee, then to play at home against a Pac-12 powerhouse like USC. Two of those games go into overtime. One of them is a, is a rivalry game. I, I just I wonder if BYU is a little drained at this point. They I mean, could be. A, that's just a tough – I mean, I, I agree with you on the surface that this you know BYU just strikes me as a good enough team – I feel like if there's like a bye week between this or if this game was last weekend or and and I'd love the fact that it's at home for BYU because I just think that's a tough environment to walk into. But I'm just scared that BYU might be running up against uh, a wall right now, um, like physically and emotionally on their ends. So that's that's my one hesitation. But I, I get I get it. And I'm I think I might have even picked. I think I picked BYU because again, like you said, they could Washington could still win, and then BYU could cover, and that would make sense too. So I I I would be on the BYU side, but that's why I, it's not a lock for me. Nah, the uh, the 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 time to jump on the other side of this, especially if they win, is next week at Toledo. Yeah, like true, like dialed in for the first four games against four power five opponents. Letdown is at Toledo at USF or like Utah state somewhere later in the season. But you're right. I mean the physical toll that playing uh, a Utah, Tennessee and USC, like you mentioned with those overtime games, like those are, those are um, concerns about BYU being able to capitalize on this Washington on paper. Absolutely. The better team, but I, I also continue, I, there's something about this Washington team that does not give me uh, faith that they're going to be able to convert and get those kind of winning plays that you need at the red zone to be able to get touchdowns. I could see it being a 19-15, 19-17 kind of game, 19-14, and, and all those games, all those different scores end up with, my, uh, with the BYU Cougars getting the cover. Uh, should be fun. That one's at that one's also three thirty. So nice, nice sunny day in Provo uh, among the Utah mountains. All right, let's go to Barton. All right, I think this is the last one I've got. <clears throat> um, and then I got the dentists. Don't let me forget that one again. So I got. I'm, I'm doing LSU um, minus twenty three and a half. And the way I see this is, let me see. I think LSU's got a bye week next week. Um, 
they're coming off of uh, North Tom's Northwestern State crew. Uh, they, yeah, they got a bye week next week. <clears throat> this is, I think, I mean, Vanderbilt's gotten, it has not looked good early this season. Um, they lost by, what, like 18 to Purdue. They lost by 24 to Georgia. And Purdue actually had, like, average more yards per play than, than, than Georgia did against Vanderbilt. I think this is probably, if you look at LSU's schedule, this is the worst team they will play the rest of the season. Um, I think... You know, so if, I mean, how many times is, is LSU not going to beat anyone else by more than 24 points? I think that's unlikely. Uh, I think that in a lot of the areas that Vanderbilt is deficient, LSU is strong. Um, so it's, it's at home, and LSU is probably going to have more people there than Vanderbilt, as is typically the case. I, and this strikes me as like, a similar game to say last week when Ohio State played like Indiana. I mean, fifty-one to ten. I mean, I could see that kind of a score in this game because it's not like Georgia where they're just content running through Vanderbilt. I mean, this is a this is a game where they the style of play we're still adjusting to that from a you know, from a perception standpoint calculating the you know the, the line standpoint like LSU is just a different team than we're used to seeing so uh, lay the 23 and a half give me uh, give me the Tigers Woo! I like it I like it too but it is a little scary because it's that early Saturday morning game oh it is an early game I didn't think about that yeah that's that those are always LSU has been known to sleepwalk through a couple of those and Vanderbilt has been known to capitalize on someone sleepwalking through those so that I don't, I do not like that, um, but I'm still going to stick with it. Good for you, Tom. <laughs> you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Want to get a little crazy? Let's do it. Uh, then let's take UCLA plus 19 on the no! Washington State. No, oh, no, Tom. No, no, oh, no, no, God. no, no, no. Yeah, man. no, it's happening. It, we're doing this. Chip, uh, no, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Pac-12 after dark, baby. Things are going to get weird. Uh, I just, this is kind of in line with what we were doing with Syracuse and the whole circle of the wagon Saturday phenomenon this weekend. Like, Chip Kelly can't be as bad of a coach as he has looked like with UCLA. He can't do what he did at Oregon and then just completely forget how to be a football coach. So I don't think UCLA is going up to the Palouse and beating Mike Leach and the Cougs, but they can hang within 19 points. And if you want some meaningless trends that have nothing to do with this pick, but they support my favor, underdog is 5-0 and the last five times these two have met, and the road team is 5-1 and against the spread the last six times they've met. So that's good for me. The problem is Washington State was usually the underdog in those games. But anyway, uh, I just, I mean, this is like a come on. You can't be as bad as you've been. 
you have to be able to stay at least within two touchdowns of Washington State. Again, don't expect the Bruins to win, but this spread is just a little too big. I think it's a bit of an overreaction to how bad UCLA has looked through the first few weeks. I mean, they've played a couple of pretty tough teams, so I don't. I feel like we're holding it a bit too much against them. So I like them to cover here. Tom, if you were marrying this pick and we were on your bachelor party, I would sit you down with a couple drinks in me and say, you're making a big mistake, man. (laughs) You're making a really big mistake. She might look good right now and, but this, this lady is crazy, but she's, she's changed. (laughs) She's so she is 112th in the country defensively in yards per play. But and she is, she is, Tom, she is 130th out of 130 teams in yards per play on offense. But she, we've been working on this, Martin. <laughs> We're working through it. I know that there are problems. I know, but she just she's looks going so pretty to in that powder blue and gold. Tom, she's going to Pullman. This crazy girl is going to Pullman. I can't, I can't support this, Tom, but I, I am your friend. She loves me. I'll be, I love I'll, her. <laughs> I'll be at the wedding. I'll be cheering for you, but I, I, I this, this is, I'm protesting this. <laughs> hey, if nothing else, it'll give us good content during the reaction pod on Saturday night. <laughs> oh yes, it'll give us great reaction content as Washington, as Anthony Gordon just puts Chip Kelly right back on a plane to Los Angeles. Well, will Chip Kelly get fired on the tarmac in Pullman? No. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, I mean, I get, look, Cincinnati is a solid defense. San Diego state is, a, I mean, he's, they played three quality opponents, Cincinnati, San Diego state and Oklahoma, but 130, out of 130, Chip Kelly, the the guru, the whiz, can't ha- put together a better, like more efficient offense than New Mexico State, than like Akron. It's just amazing to me. You're throwing all these stats to me, but you know what my ratings say? <laughs> what? My ratings say that this is the best 0 and 3 team in the country. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> She's going right. to change. She promised me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, hope she does. The I heart wants does. what the heart wants. <laughs> so you're getting in on UCLA. Is uh, I think I'm tapped out. Anyone else got anything hanging out there? I've got one left. The right. dentist has one left. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. What is your number on UCLA? I'm uh, 19. All right. UCLA minus nineteen or plus nineteen. <laughs> don't 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 give me minus nineteen. <laughs> Jesus. UCLA should use. There is no team at the FBS level that UCLA should be favored by nineteen against. <laughs> uh, what about UMass? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe man. The fighting Walt Bells. Oh yeah, Akron plays UMass this week, right? Uh, next week. Oh, that's a hell of a game. Um. All right. What's your What's your next lock? Uh, we've talked about a lot of quote-unquote big games this weekend, but we haven't talked about the biggest game of the weekend. I'm talking, of course, about the bottom 25 game of the century of the week. I am taking Bowling Green plus 11 and a half at Kent State. Tom, 
Your decision making is really questionable here in the later parts of the podcast. What if I, Barton? What if? Are you familiar with Kent State? Uh, uh, vaguely, yes. What What is your your impression of the Kent State Golden Flashes? Um, do they strike you as a good football team? I can't say that they do. No. So what if I told you they were favored by eleven and a half points? Uh. (laughs) Well, I, I would have to. I would ask you, in order for them to beat someone by eleven or more points, I'm going to really need that team to have Brian Van Gorder as their defense coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand, but I will. I will say this. Uh, surprisingly, Kent State has been favored a double-digit favorite more often than you might think because of the Daryl Hazel years when they were actually good, and then Daryl Hazel got the Purdue job, and we saw how that went. But since 2010, Kent State has been favored by 10 or more points five times. They are 1-4 against the spread. They've all been against MAC opponents, and they've all been at home. And they have only covered the one time and that was against a Miami of Ohio team in the year that Miami of Ohio won my first bottom 25 title. That was a really bad team. Bowling Green is a bad team. Kent State is a bad team. I just have a hard time trusting one really bad team to cover a double-digit spread, even if it's against another bad team, because these kind of games tend to be crazy. So, yeah. Bowling Green, plus 11.5. Brian Van Gorder, the goatee. Scott Loeffler, we're getting it done. Go Falcons. Not going to win because we don't want to mess up our Bowling Green win total. But they're going to cover. All right. 3.30 Eastern time, right? Yes. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to devote a screen. Game of the century game. of the week. That is, that is uh, oh, man, you are, you are, you got some. You got some cojones, my friends. <laughs> uh, don't you just love me finishing with UCLA at bowling? Let's <laughs> <laughs> save the best for last, baby. Oh man! All right, uh, let's uh, let's get seated in the chair. Let me get let me get the dentist real quick. Uh, oh yes, are you ready for the? I'm sorry, I thought you were trying to get us out of here, and then I realized you were just settling in for the uh, the cleaning. For the, for the dental exam. That's right. Uh, I think the dentist got a little bit um, away from his game last week. I think he got in his feelings a little bit uh, after Arkansas didn't didn't uh, didn't cover for him. He figured he they had to. I just think it was a little bit of an emotional pick to go Colorado State this week. He's back in his wheelhouse. He's going under forty one and a half in that cow old miss. Clunker on deck. Love love it. it. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, that'll be um, a little more confident in that one from the dentist. Under 41. He has the number he has is 41 and a half. Wow. Um, Respect. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's like a that's a noon game, too. So Cal's going across the country. And it is at 41 and a half still. So, yeah. Uh, man, I tell you, Cal, that team knows that they know how to make a game ugly. So they know how to win games 13 to 10. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what side was is the point spread still two? Ole Miss favored uh, two by two and a half. Oh, it's gone all the way to two and a half. Huh? Yeah. Keeps on moving. 
Would y'all take Ole Miss? No. I, I don't I mean, know, man. I'm not I, I do Cal, but no. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. I mean, I, Ole Miss, I feel like, has shown some signs of life on offense. And they got a couple running backs now that are that are perking up. They got like three running backs that are good players. Um, but no, I don't. I just I still can't trust them. Yeah. So I I don't know. That's that's gonna be that's, that'll be worth watching. It'll be a, it'll be a uh, a sleepy little game with like two explosive plays that decide it. Exactly. Like one blown coverage and like one and missed tackle and pick <laughs> six. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a pick six. And that'll, that'll be all the scoring. All right. To review, Tom, he's got the under 45 in Wisconsin, Michigan, the under 62 in Missouri, South Carolina, the under 50 and a half with Arizona State, Colorado. The sides are Texas A&M minus three and a half, Northwestern plus nine and a half, Syracuse minus five and uh, UCLA plus 19 and Bowling Green plus 11 and a half. Let's go. Let's put a surgeon's general warning on those last two picks. <laughs> Barton's card looks like this. He's going with Wisconsin minus three at home against Michigan. Buckle up, folks. We're going over 73 in Oklahoma State, Texas and DKR in the nightcap. Texas A&M minus three and a half at home against Auburn. Oregon minus 10. Colorado plus eight. Tennessee plus 14 and LSU minus 23 and a half chips card under 45 in Wisconsin, Michigan air force plus eight Georgia minus 14 Oregon minus 10 under 50 and a half in Arizona state, Colorado Syracuse minus five BYU plus six and a half. Our lock agreements are, uh, you can ride with Tom and chip on the Wisconsin, Michigan under you can ride with Tom and Barton on Texas A&M minus three and a half. You can ride with Barton and Chip on Oregon minus 10. You can ride with Tom and Chip on the under in Arizona State, Colorado. You can ride with Tom and Chip on Syracuse minus five. And if you want to ride with the dentist, that's an under 41 and a half in Cal Ole Miss. No lock fights, no lock unities, but a lot of friendliness here in week four. A lot of aligned interests. A lot of aligned interest should make for great commentary. As you heard at the beginning of the show, Barton Simmons will be in Stanford, Connecticut for uh, CBS Sports HQ Saturday. So he'll be uh, he'll be there and you need to watch him. So check it out. CBSSportsHQ.com all through the day, giving updates on what's going on from around the world in college football. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fredelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. 
So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 